Hello and welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. We're so pleased that you've chosen to tune in and listen to this message. And our prayer for you is that it will bless you, it'll lead you to an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it'll set you up for revival. We'd love for you to get involved and join us on this journey of revival. Visit our website, revivalfires.org.uk, and find us on all social media platforms. We can't wait to connect with you. Oh, you know, I've just been working on this message over the last few weeks. I've got so many notes scattered all over my desk and, you know, I hardly know which part of the message connects to this week or last week or the week before. But um, I just feel this morning that um, what we need to do is to see the big picture. And that was the, that was the title of this morning. And I didn't put it on the website as I have done over the last week because that can begin to cause you to have preconceived ideas. And so I just wanted to keep it back for God doing something this morning. And as we have gone through the worship, the whole thing with vision, the whole thing of taking what the enemy meant for our harm, God turning it for good. Looking at we know how the story ends. See, that's when you have a big picture. And I want you to get a big picture of what God is doing in your life today. Not a small picture, a big picture. You know, and um, I've got a, a, a vet gave me this word this morning, and I just want to read it out to what God is saying. It says, I see a vision of a long road, but it's going towards the sunset. Now listen, that is God is bringing something to an end. Do you understand that? There are things that are coming to an end. Hallelujah. And it says here, saying, uh, sunset, and saying that no matter how long the road, he will carry us through it. Even in the darkness, he will take us into the light. That's a new beginning. So God is bringing something to an end because he has something to begin. See, and I believe this morning the message I'm going to bring to you will do both of those things. It will bring things to an end, but it will also open up to you a great door of opportunity. Hallelujah. Give him praise right now. I just feel that there is excitement in the house. And, um, you know, the couple of weeks ago, I talked about the rigorous commitment to a singular objective. Remember that? And, uh, and how everything can be reduced to one thing. I've got a great message for next week. <laughs> and uh, no, I'll tell you the title at the end, because God's told me to tell you the title. So give you some thinking space. And... Uh, and so here, to reduce things to one thing, and that is to deal with our past and move into the future. And then the second message I gave was, you're wanted. You see, God didn't call anyone. He called someone. 
God called you because He wanted you. He saw all the gifting, He saw all the calling, He saw your successes, He saw your failures, He saw your rough roads, He saw your smooth roads, He saw your crooked roads, He saw your straight roads, and He said, I want you. Give Him praise. Oh, and so here... So didn't call anyone, you don't call anyone you don't want. And so here, those he foreknew, he also called. I'm going to go into that message this morning. Get it from last week if you weren't here, if you're watching online. Pick up these things. It will lead you into all that God has got in this new season. Because we have already gone into transition. And we need to begin to chart the way forward. And as we chart the way forward, that means we need vision. We need a big picture of life. You need a big picture of life. I need a big picture of life. The church needs a big picture of life. And so here, those he foreknew, he pre. That is, he had something already arranged in advance. Destined mean to bring it to an end. So what God sees the end from the beginning. We talked about that last week. And so we can declare the end in advance. That's what we've been doing this morning. We've actually started where we ended last week. And so the call is a seed from which the purpose of God grows. And now today, call the big picture. You see the whole And it includes everything and gives you a comprehensive view of the whole. A complete or is it an incomplete view that you have? You see, so often the picture that we have isn't big enough to contain what God wants to do. Because we can get so caught up with the minor things. The things that I'm going through today... And I don't see how that relates to what God is ultimately doing in my life and bringing me into the plans and the purposes of God for my and your generation. And so we get caught up because we become micromanagers of our life instead of seeing the macro view of what God's got for us. I want to open up to you this morning the big picture. I want you to take hold of all that God has got for you. The big picture carries within it a blueprint of heaven. Give Him praise, you know. And, uh, and that blueprint of heaven, how do we get hold of that? You know, one of the points last week I talked to you about God disrupts our lives in order to call us. And uh, particularly this morning, I'm going to focus in on the Apostle Paul. And I say the Apostle Paul, not Saul, because I want to talk to you about what he became, not what he was. See, so often we only talk about what people were. We talk about the things that they've done, the things that they've achieved. The world talks like that. That's why we had to kill the Philistine. To get out of foolish thinking. Foolish thinking that sets itself up in the place of God. That's a stronghold. We can have all manner of strongholds. We can have strongholds with regard to our personal life. God says marriage is good, but we say, no, I want out of this. That isn't good thinking. That is 
foolish thinking and that's a stronghold that needs to be broken. You're in situations and you say, I need to get out of this. I need a rescue plan. No, God says, I'm going to give you grace to go through it. Why? Because I'm going to deal with things in your life. And the things that I deal with is going to remove from you self-interest and self-preservation. Hallelujah. So you can be free. See, God, God breaks off the shackles. But let me tell you, so often we get shackles and harnesses mixed up. There's a big difference in a shackle to a harness. A harness is where latent power, where what God has put within you is harnessed to the will and the purpose of God. See, that's the difference. And the enemy tries to make every restriction of our lives look like a shackle. And God says, no, it's a harness, but I'll come to that. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so here, seeing the whole, a comprehensive view. Listen to what it says. This is David's comprehensive view. This is his view that's going to take him from Jerusalem from Caesarea, and it's going to take him to Rome. Rome was Paul's final destination. How do I know that? Because God said to him, you will stand before kings. And the only place that he could stand before a king was in Rome. That's where Paul died. And it says in chapter 28 of Acts It says there, and so, listen to this, I love these words. And so we came to Rome. What was he saying? I've reached my destined end. I am now in the last part of my race. I am in the last part of my destiny. When this has happened, I am ready to go. And he says, what is better to be depart and be with the Lord or to stay with you? But it's expedient that I stay with you. And so after he said those words, you know what? He wrote another probably seven books. That's why it was expedient for him to say. You see, but he got to that place. And so here when he's talking to Agrippa, I love these words. You see, because we need to understand that God gives us the end at the beginning. Why? Because He wants us to succeed. See, when He called you, He knew what you could fulfill. As I said last week, you don't call a plumber if you want your garden done. Or if you do, there's a problem. And the problem's not with the plumber, the problem's with the problem's with your choice. God has not made a mistake in the choice that He's made about your life. Hallelujah. We may think He has. We may think and look at ourselves and see ourselves in comparison to other people. And when we look at ourselves in comparison to other people, we see all their good points and we think that we don't have them. 
And we think, well, they've got where they are because they're this, 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 and this. I haven't got this, this, and this. I've got that, that, and that. And that doesn't amount to this. And so what happens is we cancel ourselves out. Do you know what? Comparison is the sister of pride. Just write that down. So every time you compare yourself, just say, God, forgive me, I'm being proud of you. Get rid of this. And so here for us, God's choice of us and he wants us to come in and realize the end. And listen to what it says. I'm going to read it out to you. And uh, I'm going to read to you first from Acts chapter 9. There's three times Paul talks about this vision that he had. This is when God knocked him off his horse. I believe this morning somebody here is going to get knocked off their horse. The direction you've been going in, God is going to knock you off and he's going to set you in a whole new direction of life. Praise God when he knocks you off the horse. You know? And, uh, and listen to what it says here. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, that is, mission is a journey with a purpose. He had a mission. Paul was very missionary minded. He was very focused prior to coming to Christ and after Christ. I mean, he was a scary guy. I was talking to the black community. I would say he's a scary dude. You know? And so here, it says, as he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Mark that from heaven. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This was his immediate answer. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go to the city and you will be told what you must do. See, most people would struggle at that. They would say, oh, he's putting shackles on him. No, he's putting a harness on him. Know the difference. And I tell you what, if I heard a voice from heaven, I'd got knocked off my horse and I was blind, I would take any advice somebody was giving me. Wouldn't you? And if you wouldn't, there's something wrong with you. And it says here, now get up, go into the city and it will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood speechless. They heard the sound but didn't see anyone. See, there's sometimes that only you see things. And it doesn't matter that nobody else has seen it. just matters that you saw it. See, that's how revelation works. So you can never compare your story with somebody else's story. And it says here, the man traveling with me didn't see it. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, harnessed him. For three days he was blind, did not eat or drink. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him. See, calling again. Paul had a call. Now Ananias is getting a call. It's the only time you hear about this man, Ananias. But let me tell you this. This was him fulfilling the predestined 
work that God had for him to fulfill in his generation. See, so often we think that it's all about this and that in getting this prophetic word, that prophetic word. This was prophetic action. And so here he says to him, Lord, the Lord called him in a vision. See, to get this vision is happening all the time. Vision is heaven is speaking. And the Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. He didn't say, who are you? He had a deep core value of who he was and whom he was related to. See, that's when God can speak to you and say, Ananias, and he says, yes, Lord. He didn't say who. He wasn't trying to work out what the vision was all about. He just knew in his knower that this was the Lord speaking to him. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. You can Google Straight Street and you will see it in Jerusalem. You can walk down the road on Google Map and you can see this house that's there and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You couldn't get more specific than that, could you? (laughs) Knowing the street to go down, knowing who was there, knowing the name of the person in the city and ask for this man Saul for he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Wow. Can you see? Even Paul's vision was given back to him by revelation. I believe there's people here today, God's going to give back to you your ability to see. Like you've never seen before. Listen, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, it may look murky, it may look dirty, it may look like your head is stuck in a bucket. But God is about to lift it off. Hallelujah. And you're going to see clearly. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I can see all obstacles disappear. Hallelujah. It's about to happen. And so here it says, this is only my introduction. And so he says here, in a vision, I've seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and says, restore, to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. All the harm he has done to the saints in Jerusalem. And now he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is a chosen instrument. Listen, this is revelation. Don't believe reports of other people. Don't believe the reports of our past. I have heard. So you can hear lots of stuff. Do you know, I was talking to someone this week and they were talking to me about um, the new apostolic um, revolution or the new apostolic reformation and uh, going on about um, Peter Wagner. Do you know something? They didn't even know who Peter Wagner was. And they believed a whole load of stupid reports. I'm thinking, gosh... What do we pick up? We hear stuff and we pick up the hearsay and we think it's true and we then become a gainsayer. 
Do you know what a gainsayer is? A wizard. What's a gainsayer? We begin to act demonically. We begin to make demonic assumptions about things. Wow. That should close our mouths quite a bit. But before you close your mouth, close your ears. So that you don't hear all that stuff. They didn't even know him. They just heard reports. And I said, that's not the Peter Wagner I knew. That's not the Peter Wagner that I'd sat down at a table many times with and saw the humility of a man who had swum with alligators and had come out the other end. You know? See, how would you, how would you swim with those types of reports pulling you back? And so here, I need to get on, but there's so much coming out. And here it says, he's a chosen instrument. That's the first thing. This is the call now. To carry my name. So he's going to be harnessed to carry something. Before the Gentiles, the scope and the sphere of his ministry. Before the Gentiles and their kings. That's Caesar, Augustus. That's the emperor who lives in Rome. Here it is. This is the end from the beginning. And before the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And that's it. That's his first call. I mean, what a call. I've got to, tell, I've got to show you this. I've got to read it out to you because you might think it's just a, a little report that I'm making. And here, listen to what Paul says. And uh, chapter 28. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship. We had wintered in the island of the Alexandra ship. It goes on about whom we'd seen. The next day, the south wind came. On the following day, we reached um, Petulia. There we found some brothers, invited us to spend a week with them. We came. And so we came to Rome. And so we came. And so I came to my journey's end. But listen to what he says in chapter 26 as he gets his revelation and as he's talking about his revelation and as he begins to say, listen, Paul does not embellish what God says about his life. Paul just declares out what God has said. And as he declares out what God has said, it begins to develop the revelation. We're going to see that, how the big picture begins to come into focus. And he says, About noon, O king, I was on the road, and I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, blazing around me in and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I, I heard the voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now go up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you. Listen to it now. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and what I will show you ongoing revelation and I will rescue you 
from those of your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. What a development of destiny. What a development of revelation. You see now Paul is talking about the big picture nearing the end of his life and he's taking us on this prophetic journey that he's been on. And then he qualifies it all by saying, so then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. To that heavenly call. I was, I gave myself to it. I gave myself to it as the one thing, just like I gave myself to the zeal of a Pharisee, the zeal of my religious background. Now, when this happened to me, I made this Jesus my one thing. Hallelujah. And that Jesus of the one thing, he could only know through the cross of Christ. That's why he could say that through the cross, the world has been crucified to me. See, we need the operation of the cross. I have been crucified together with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You see, the cross is not the end. It's the new beginning. God says he's bringing some things to an end today. He's taking you into the sunset of where you've been walking. Why? Because he's opening up the light of fresh revelation so that you can move into God's destined purpose for your life. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. You know, turn to the person next to you and say, I think he's talking to you as much as he's talking to me. Help me out here. And so here you see the whole includes everything. It's that comprehensive view. See, Paul had a comprehensive view. Not just a little bit. He wasn't waiting for the next bit. He had this view. And, and I just see that that chapter 9. You read chapter 22 and he's talking to someone else. And he develops it in a different way there. To what here in chapter 26. This is like the panorama. This is the, the, the prophetic epic of Paul's life. This is where you see the big the big screen. This is where you no longer see the little pictures. This isn't about just a little picture. This is about the whole picture. And here Paul is written all the way through it. And we get stuck on the little pictures. And God says, get out of the little pictures. See the whole and then you can begin to receive the revelation that is required as you move on. You see here, David carried a sling in his hand. Ryan brought this out in the worship that I developed. That's because I'd already been meditating on it. David carried a sling in his hand, but he carried a vision in his heart. 
See, what are you carrying in your heart? See, what you carry in your heart is your core value. What you carry in your hand is just your ability. See, God wants to connect your ability to your core values. See, what are your core values? Some of us don't even know them. And then we wonder why we're just running around like headless chickens. See, I'm here today to help you to get hold of a vision of God that encompasses the whole of your life so that you can walk with a sense of destiny. Do you know it says of Churchill as he came into Downing Street, 65 years of age, the nation was at what has been classed as its darkest hour and he stood on the steps of 10 Downing Street. He had gone for prime minister, become prime minister three times. He had tried. He had moved around, I think, three different parties and trying to get in and be elected as the prime minister. Every one of them failed and he was never elected prime minister during the, call, during the war years he was appointed by a cabinet, a war cabinet. See, God can use anything. And he stands on those steps and he says, I feel as he looked there about to enter in to take us through the darkest time to bring us into the light of the freedom that we enjoy today. And don't we need to see this freedom given to every man, woman and child on the face of the earth? See, is that what you're looking at? Right, the place where you're staying. Don't wait for your 65. Look at it now. I felt I was walking with destiny. Even if you fell off your horse. I felt I was walking with destiny. God has brought you to a destined moment. A pre-destined moment. And all my life up to this point. Don't wait till you're 65. And all my life, up to this moment, I've been but a preparation for this time and this hour. Because that is when you're needed. See, God has great things for you. You do not know the greatness of what God has put in you. You really don't. You think you do, but you don't. Paul thought he was great as a leader, great as this zealous Pharisee. But it wasn't what God had put in him. It's what his upbringing had put in him. And God just needed to flick a switch, turn off the lights, so that he could get a vision of heaven. And with that, he never became disobedient again. And so here, with David, he carried a sling in his hand, but a vision in his heart. What was the vision? You come to me with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty and the armies of heaven. This isn't my battle. This is your battle, Lord. You're not fighting me, Goliath. You're fighting the God who I put my trust in. And he, not me, he will give you into my hand today. See, that is when you know you have been harnessed by God. That he has harnessed you in order that he may release his ability and his power through you. Hallelujah. And so here, let me say to you, three things, dream big. This is only, this is only a, a little snippet for you. This is my message. Dream big. Set goals. Remember what I said? Rigorous. What was it I said? A rigorous commitment to a singular objective. 
It's not my saying. I just picked that quote up. I think it's from Gordon MacDonald, but I could be wrong. But here, reduce to the one thing. Dream big, set goals, take action. Throw off your coat, undo your tie, undo your top button and be ready. You see, the space between your vision and reality is a journey. It is a process and it is a walk of faith. You have to have those three. You will never get there without it. You will never get there without. With the space between your vision and reality is a journey, a process, and a walk. And all of them combine in one single operation. That is a walk of faith. Walking not by sight, but by faith. And so here, the big picture is to harness your ability. Remember, you're wanted for God's purpose. I've got great news for everybody this morning. And listen, the news is this. And that is Jesus is the savior of the world. No one else. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Can you see? And so we can become so independent. That's why we need to be harnessed to the purposes of God. Paul gave up his rights. See, whatever was in my favor, he said, I surrendered them to Christ. That's my paraphrase. I surrendered them to Christ. I counted them as off-scouring for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Are you with me this morning? And it's that that harnesses us. And how God harnesses our ability. Remember, you're wanted for God's purpose. The big picture is looking at our future from the beginning. And I've gone through that as I've read to you about Paul. God gave him just a a couple of sentences from Ananias. But when you read chapter 22, when he's speaking to Festus, and then when he speaks to Agrippa, he seems to develop his calling in God. He starts to think about all the things that he did. And it wasn't just to bear his name it was to turn people from darkness to light from the power of satan to god he knew what he'd been called to to bring deliverance to people he knew what it would be in order to bring the light of god's word there's no greater teacher than paul and yet he wasn't even called a teacher he was called an apostle but with that there was a teaching gift on him there was no greater evangelist than paul and he had this vision and this word in his life with regard to evangelism he was this great pastor if you don't believe me read Timothy and Titus of just a heart of a man that longs to see people come into fullness 
And all of that contained, you can separate all those things out. But you see, God doesn't give us all the details. And so often we're trying to find all the details. Listen, sometimes you just need that destiny word from God. And I'm not talking about pages and pages and pages and pages. It's too much for you to absorb. And most of it, you get fed up reading or you read it quickly if you're like me because I speed read stuff and I'm just looking for the certain things. But if I get, you know, when, when I came to, when I met Sharon, I just knew God was going to draw us together. You know, and two men, one was a man called George Hand. He just said to me, you would be a great husband and wife, Trevor. Our pastor. So listen, I want you all to have an arranged marriage. <laughs> you know? And then there was another time, Shai and I had gone to London, we sat down at a table. This is how destiny words come. Sat at a table with H.T. Barrow. Do you remember him? High tension batteries, he said. <laughs> and we sat down with him, an old man coming to the end of his life. And he sat down, he looked at us. And he said, Trevor, always remember that Sharon is your princess. We weren't even married. He said, always remember that Sharon was your princess. Listen, those feed into destiny so that when things aren't going right, when the differences of opinions come in, you don't treat your wife any different to a princess. And if you do, you quickly repent. Do you understand? It comes like that. And we can have all these words. But let me tell you, those two things set our lives up for how many years of marriage? Forty-four coming up. Sometimes Sharon forgets. I kid. And so here, the big picture, looking at the future from the beginning, before, see, it, it operates in all of our lives. My life would be incomplete without Sharon. Sharon's life is incomplete without me. Do you understand? And listen, for those of you, and there's people here, maybe people watching, and your husband, your wife may have died. Let me tell you, that is the end to that part of your journey together. Do you understand? And so with that, you remember all of the blessing, but you release yourself into the glorious freedom for God now to bring destiny to you so you're not trying to fulfill a destiny that was given to you both. God knows the time. That should release you to fulfill what God has for you at this point in your life. He is so good. The big picture is always progressive. And so there is an internal process and there is an external progress. The internal processes of God. What does that do? The internal processes is where God is dealing with the core things. That is where the cross cuts across the cords of self-interest. 
And so we come into a new place. So it's no longer my rights. So we come into connecting with God in new ways. So that we can begin to deal with the foolish thinking. See, you must develop your internal core, your beliefs. And those beliefs need to be guided by God. Not memory verses, but guided by God. See, Paul says, I did not, I did not give up the right of giving to you or making known to you the whole counsel of God. That's what we need. We need the whole counsel of God in our lives to get the core beliefs. And listen, most of us will only have four or five core beliefs. They're the ones that you live for, you die for. That you say, if all of heaven is pitched against me, this is what I believe. It's what brought a Martin Luther on his way up to Worms to answer to his thesis. And people were saying to him, don't go, don't go. There's big trouble waiting for you up there. And he turned and he looked to all of the houses with all those little slates as he made his way through Germany. And he says, if there were as many demons as there are slates on the roofs of these houses waiting for me in um, Worms, still I would go. And he says when they brought all of the accusations against him, he could say these words. And in that, it shows you his one thing, his core beliefs. He says that I can do no other. God is my witness. And that's it. You can say everything, but you can't remove our core beliefs. What are your core beliefs? See, that comes through your experience. See, the big picture and is, is given detailed direction. See, your present situation. See, there is enough that God gives you. Remember Moses, when he goes to the burning bush, this is the call of God. God called to him and said, I have seen the plight of my people and their cry has come up to me. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to deliver this people. That's it. There isn't any more. I mean, that's a destiny word. And so often what I'm wanting you to do is get hold of the prophetic and use the prophetic clearly. The prophetic isn't a promise book. The, pre the prophetic isn't a little promise box that you just keep taking out little bits of prophetic words. The prophetic should speak into our lives and as it speaks into our lives, things change. And we don't keep running after the next prophet, but that we have our core belief that God is for me, not against me. God will fulfill his purpose in my life. I will reach my destined end, my predestined end. And listen, then open up the prophetic in glorious ways. But as I read the scripture, you see, we've got into a place. I believe the church has got into this place of just this selfish self-indulgence. And so we just want a prophetic. We just want, what's the Lord saying? Thinking, I don't know. You know, has the Lord given me a word for you? 
has the Lord given you a word for me? And I love what John Wimber says, good luck. <laughs> for this reason, hear from God. So that when somebody speaks to you a prophetic word, God has already spoken to you. Do you understand? You hear what I'm saying? Listen, I value the prophetic. I've got prophetic words that I am living out and fulfilling. I don't need to run to this person, that person for a prophetic word. What I need to do is to be equipped in the prophetic so now I can help people that God is speaking to in order to confirm the things that God is revealing to them. Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, not the prophetic word that I received from Ananias. Get it? Do you get it? I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He saw a vision before he had the prophetic word from Ananias. What was the vision? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. That was the vision. Jesus is enough. Do you know why? Because the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Hallelujah. Get hold of it so that you can run with all that God has for you. And listen, I've... This week, just so that you are aware, am I leaving behind all of that? This week, do you know where God took me to? The drawing room of heaven. I mean, I could not believe where I was. I thought I was thinking it and then I realised I was actually there. You see? Then I found out the drawing room, listen to this. This is just so that you know, I am not against revelatory experiences I then found out what is it Sharon in French or Latin Levia French Levia that's what they call the drawing room it's the place where you get up and you know what it was the drawing room was the place where the king would sit and he would call his um crown counseling and they were the first that got to speak to him in the morning and so it was a place where he had intimacy with his, the, the king's counsellors and God took me there and it was just this incredible drawing room but you see I don't live on that do you understand but I know that God now wants to bring some counsel to me. Do you understand? So I don't get caught up with telling you all the different things about it. That's for my benefit. But the counsel that God releases is for our benefit. And so what we can do is we can focus so much on the exotic instead of focusing in on the prophetic. So we get all caught up with the little details that are insignificant. And we don't listen to the counsel that God is saying to us. And so here for us, see, God wants and will give us detail. See, the big picture is detailed direction. So when Moses needs to 
get the information to help a people walk through a wilderness, God takes him up onto a mountain and gives him the Ten Commandments. He didn't give him those at the beginning. When God wants to take David out of the field and bring him into a fresh anointing, he was anointed, he wasn't told everything. But later on, he was given the ability of how to extend the kingdom of Israel. See, because that's what was needed. And you could go through everyone. Abraham, leave your father and mother, leave your country, go to the place I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. It was 25 years later that God says to him, okay, now Sarah is going to have this son I promised you. 25 years waiting for a word but then God gives him the word and this time then he follows that up again and says this time next year Sarah will have the child and did it prove true of course it did so you get the big picture the big picture is I'm going to make you a great nation and you're going to father nations that's the word that could only be fulfilled by having an heir And so God brought the word when he needed the heir. When he and Sarah were past the age of childbearing and God was about to harness them to heaven's ability of producing. See, and we forget. We forget that. Can I go on a little longer? Well, I'm going. No, I'm not. And so here, detailed direction. The big picture unfolds with detailed revelation for the present situation. See, so we do, but don't go, you know, God's not interested in what you're going to wear. God's not interested. Listen, hear me right when I say this. Some people say, did God tell you to buy this house, uh, buy this center in Dudley? Well, yes and no. When we had the drugs work, you know, people would say to me, so how did God tell you to buy this house? I said he didn't. I said I just put a point on the map. I put a point on the map and I said to the Lord, Lord, will you give us a property within five miles of this dot? Because I can do what you want me to do in this region, in this five-mile radius, whatever it is. Whatever house you give us, I'll be able to do it. And God did. You see, some people, they won't move on anything unless God tells them the name of the door, the color of the door, the person, the description of the person. Listen. Stop. God will give you enough so that your faith can be in him. When we bought this house... When we bought this, well, it is a house, it's his house. But when, when we got this, we just looked around, we saw lots of properties. Till I felt that God, I had a word from the Lord, and God said to me this, Trevor, make, make a threshold where heaven can come to earth so that the blueprints of heaven can be released through where you are and what you do. So we looked around. And I came, I saw this building, I said, God, I got the anointing, I poured it across the doorways, and I said, God, this is the doorway of heaven 
I step over it because I'm stepping into heaven's revelation that's going to come through this center. And we got the building. I didn't have a specific word of Wolverhampton Street, 117 to 121. I mean, even today, I don't know where 117 starts and where 121 finishes, you know? But it's around here somewhere, you know? And so here, the, the specifics get hold of the big picture. And the big picture for us all, and with this I'm going to finish. With, for us all, the big picture is how do we collectively pull the king's carriage? See, that's the big picture. Listen to what it says in Song of Solomon. It's a beautiful beautiful which brings it down to a wonderful place so it's not just gun ho go 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 get after it roll your sleeves up take your tie up roll up your sleeves take your jacket off it says here king solomon made for himself a carriage jesus is making a carriage he made it of wood from lebanon its posts he made of silver its base of gold i could open this up to you but I'm not going to this morning. Its seat was upholstered with purple. Its interior was lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Come out, you daughters of Zion. Look at the king. Look at King Solomon wearing the crown. The crown in which his mother crowned him with on the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. See, I believe that God, the big picture for us is pulling the king's carriage. In order to pull the king's carriage, you have to make a decision. Are you going to be a stallion? And that's for us all. Or are you going to be a harnessed horse? See, there's two different pictures See, the, the stallion can run on the prairies. He can put his head into the air, pick up the wind as it blows, and he can run like, like no one would ever be able to catch. Just run with the freedom and, you know, everything about him, the elegance of the pace in which he is able to run at no one on him but he knows how to run he knows what season is there he picks up this scent and he is able to run and nothing can stop him you know and so he has this great freedom and so often he can look and there is the harnessed horse down in the corral. The harnessed horse, he is learning how to have things placed upon him. And as they're placed upon him, things are attached to it. And what is happening with all of these as he struggles against it? Because the stallion knows nothing of having his will curtailed. He can run with power. And he can run whatever he wants. But the harnessed horse, he is learning what it is to have a yoke attached to him. It doesn't belong to him, 
but it's attached to him. He learns how to move with the, the pull of the, um, the, um, the bit and the, what do they call it? I, I've got it written down, the bridle. And all of the tackle that's attached to him. And he's learning. And then what happens this one day? He is brought in with others who have also been trained, who have also had a harness fitted upon them. And they begin to harness them all together. And so now instead of one person's strength, the one horse's strength, in all this time the stallion is running wild around seeing all of this and saying, but look at my freedom. And as they untie the harnesses on, and then they bring out the carriage, lovingly inlaid, with the king sat in. And here it is that these horses, it's not about them, but it's about what they are carrying. Listen, I believe that God wants to bring us to a place where we deal with our independence. And in dealing with our independence, where we allow our talent and our gifting to be harnessed. See, the harness speaks of power that has been restrained in order to be released at the command of the rider or the carriage person. You see, for us today, I just feel that many projects, many people's purposes fail for the simple reason that they've never been harnessed. And so with that, they, their power is latent but it hasn't become paint. And let me explain that. They know what God's put within them. But because it's not harnessed to others, is that what happens is they never know the power that God has put in them in order to pull with others. Because without everyone pulling, the carriage could not move. See, I, I believe that God is wanting to give us the big picture. See, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and meek in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. See, there is a rest. But it's not a rest of sitting down and putting your feet up. It is a rest that we allow the power of God to so flow through us. See, we need a big picture. The church needs a big picture at this time in order for us to stop our pulling every which way so that what God has spoken to me can be connected with what God has spoken to others and that together we may be able to move on together. You see, no one ever gets where they get to on their own. Paul needed an Ananias. He needed a Barnabas. He needed also a Timothy. 
and a Timothy needed a Paul. You see it right the way through. And I believe that this morning God wants to write a big picture into your heart. He wants you to connect again to the purpose that he's put within every one of you. And then ask him how that connects with others. See, God has put something within you. You know, and next week, what I want you to think about, if God were to give you a box, take you into heaven, and say to you, you can have every, anything in here, but you can only have one thing. What would it be? And you can't say Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Because that's a cop-out. And I'll tell you why next week. But that's what I want you to do. What is the one thing that you would put in the box of your life? And that leads me to my concluding thing here this morning. And that is I believe that God wants you. But he wants to begin to put a harness on you. So that you can pull the king's carriage. Get a big picture of what God's got. And it's far bigger than your life. But your life is important for other people. And their life is important for you. And if you want to join me in this prayer of just asking the Lord to put the harness of the Holy Spirit upon my life. I want you to stand. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Turn around, have a look. See what God's doing in people's lives this morning. Come on, just give the Lord applause this morning. Come on, just thank him this morning. And uh, I want to release an impartation. Put your hand on your heart this morning. I want to release an impartation. Do you know what the impartation is? Willingness. I'm not saying that we'll all not have struggles, but we're able to come back to this point and say, God, that's the time that I was willing to allow you to put your yoke upon my life. Harness me, Lord, so that my gifts and callings can be released with the power of your command. Father, I release that into every person's heart here, every person who's watching this morning. Lord, I ask, put that harness upon us with our gifting and our calling. And then, Father, release that inner power of the Holy Spirit. Father, let there be a transaction take place today between heaven and earth. Because, Lord Jesus, we want to pull the king's carriage. That is, Lord, we want the church, not this building, but this church. We want our relationships to always demonstrate 
presence of the one whose name we bear. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen.